Hi, welcome to the Dr. Dreama Show, inspiration and practical strategy for achieving your dream life. I'm your host, Dr. Dreama. I'm a psychologist and life designer. I'm here to help you design the life you want and deserve. Hey there, this is Dr. Dreema, and I am here on a lovely summer day in Provence, and I have a special guest for you today. Her name is Marina Darlow. She's a systems expert and a productivity geek. She sees her job as helping impact-driven entrepreneurs get 10 to 20 more productive hours a week, stop leaking money, and prevent stress fuel breakdowns. Welcome, Marina. Hi, thanks for having me here. You know, I don't think I've had another productivity geek on yet, so this is going to be exciting to find out how people can get 10 to 20 more productive hours a week, really? Yes, very much so. Tell me how you do that. There are a few tactics, systems. And before I start diving into what exactly it is that I do, (coughs) apologies, um, I want to preface and say that the real way to get more done, to get more hours in your week, is to custom your environment and your working habits to the way your brain, your personality really works. Because what can work for me will not necessarily work for you. And what can work for you will not necessarily work for your um, downstairs neighbor. But in my case, I start with few key principles. One, designing my week. What does it mean? I make sure that certain activities happen on the same weekday. And I have these time blocks kind of recurrently. For instance, I plan every Monday morning. I exercise a couple times a week in certain times. I do my writing Tuesday and Thursday in the first part of the day. Why is it a good idea? Because when I get up in the morning, I know what kind of a day I'm going to expect. And it sets my mind in the right mode. Like it kind of signals to my brain, this is what you're doing today. Obviously it leaves me a choice. So for instance, if I need to do some writing, I could write product description. I could write launch email. I could write show notes for my podcast. Sorry. So there is flexibility, but I know that today is my writing day or tomorrow is the day when I do client work. So it really helps me cut down on decisions and more importantly, cut down on transitions. So what I'm saying here, I'm not wasting time thinking, what the heck am I going to do now? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? What's in my to-do list? Uh, What do I feel like doing? This is kind of halfway decided for me. So I don't waste time and mental energy on it. And by the way, mental energy is much more important than your time because You know, we just had this conversation the other day about a related topic. Um, There's much debate now whether teenagers should start school half an hour later. Right. Right. They need more sleep. And people are sometimes opposed to that that because they say, well, um, 
that means they will end half an hour later and that would interfere with their extracurricular schedules and sports and their parents are home, you know, it would be hard on them to pick them up and so on. And of course it's true. But what I truly believe that if you let the teens and actually anybody sleep enough, you can cut down on the time that they spend in school. They will learn just as well, probably better. Because if you wake me up an hour before I'm comfortable, the next six hours are not going to be as productive. Like you didn't really add an hour to my day. You in fact took an hour from my day, probably more. Just let them sleep and condense the material in fewer lessons. Believe me, it's going to be great. That makes so sense. Back, what? That makes total, total sense. Yeah, so back to designing my week, you know, um, I make sure that I'm fresh and I'm sharp. Uh, and yeah, sleep factors in as well, but that's, you know, that's kind of so fundamental. I don't even want to touch upon it. Um, I make sure that between the tasks, I don't, again, need to make this decision what it is that I'm doing next because I know what I'm doing next. Um, another thing that really, really, really helps save time and energy is to put everything on reminders. You know, I don't like keeping stuff in my head. My head is for thinking. So is yours. So is everybody else's. We don't need to remember that at three o'clock we have to leave the house because we have a meeting. We have technology for that. And I think nowadays it's almost universal, but it's still worth mentioning. Um, these are probably the two biggest things. And of course there's, you know, making good plans, making sure the plans are translatable um, into actions. So you use a lot of verbs when you plan, making sure you eat well, you sleep enough, you exercise. Exercise, I discovered it, I'm ashamed to admit, uh, I discovered it for myself probably less than two years ago. Like, it's not that I didn't know that I need to exercise, but I didn't do it. <laughs> but a while ago, a friend introduced me to rock climbing, which is finally kind of sport that I enjoy. First time in my entire life. And it's life-changing. Like the way it affects your mood, your focus, your motivation. And that's before we talk about, you know, you're not, you're not getting sick as much as you used to, or as I used to. It's just, it's a huge boost to everything. Well, I think it also goes, it sort of folds in with that first thing that you were talking about, you know, about setting up your day so it works for you. With exercise, you got to find something that you enjoy or you're not going to do it. Your mindset is always going to be, oh my God, I hate going to the gym. I hate sweating. But if you find something you like, it works with you and then you're more willing to do it. Oh, so true. So, so true. Absolutely. You know, when I think about myself, I am not a morning person by any stretch of the imagination and I can get myself up and out the door if I need to go do something, but I'm not really productive in the morning. And so I just go with my own flow 
And I work in the afternoon and to the early evening, sometimes late evening, because that's when I am up and fresh and ready to roll. Right. And everybody has their own most productive hours. Some people, you know, their best hours are in the morning and that's great. You know, there are those who come into work at 5 p.m. and by 9, sorry, 5 a.m. by 9 a.m., half of their day is done. Everybody else is just streaming into work. You know, they're having their meetings without interrupting their core productive deep work hours, and it's great. And there are other people who stay late after five, and this is when they're the most productive. And this is just, you know, there's no, no right way. I do want to say something, however, in relation to what you just said. It's beyond the hours in the day. The hours in the day are, you know, they have to match your biorhythms, yes. But it's also the focus patterns. And what I mean by that is that some people, I work a lot with the ADHD gifted, and it's especially common in this community, the ability to hyper-focus. You know, you can sit for six hours straight and forget to go to the bathroom. And I've seen it happen or I wouldn't have believed it. You are so immersed in your current activity. You're so excited about what it is that you're doing now. You don't see anything else. And you can produce incredible work, like amazing. In these, say, six proverbial hours, you can do more than other people can do in three weeks. So there are people that focus like that. There are other people who cannot focus for more than 20 minutes straight. So I have a friend and the way she did her PhD, she would spend 20 minutes writing, 20 minutes in Facebook and forums. And, you know, I think at that time she took to quilting and then 20 minutes back again in writing and then again back to the internet. And this is how she rolls. She, her PhD won a few awards. She got a book contract. I think now she got a second book contract. So she's immensely successful academically. And this is how, how she focuses. And if she were forced to sit and turn off all the quote unquote distractions, she would be really miserable and she wouldn't be half as uh, fertile in her work. Right. So it's really a matter of understanding how you work best. Yeah. Her work specifically is actually about fertility in early modern New England. So that's oh. <laughs> well, yeah. all right then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell me, in, in setting up your business and doing these things, were there any particular challenges that you ran into? <laughs> I'm sorry. There was like, um, <laughs> so can I answer by metaphor before I sure. get into specifics? Um, when my friend had her baby, you know, there's this period in life when we all were having children and we were talking about labor and delivery and all these gory graphic details. And at some point, you know, we were talking about our birth experiences and about contraction. And she goes, and then it became just one big contraction for like four hours. No. <laughs> the the mother and the baby are both fine. I think since then there was another baby. So clearly the, the experience didn't like, didn't completely turn her off having babies. Right. <laughs> but 
you know, same thing with my business. Was it just one, like, was it a series of challenges or it was just one huge challenge? Um, so it started out actually really, really well. It started out more or less by accident. I helped a friend um, who moved into private practice. I helped her organize, you know, how many clients she can take on, how much money she's going to charge, you know, how it, if she plugs in numbers here and this is going to be her whatever hourly rate or her program rate, how much money she stands to make in a year with this many clients, with that many clients, how many hours she's going to work and so on. She loved it, brought in more friends. So within five months, I had a full practice and that was amazing. And then we moved from the small city that I was living in to a big city where word of mouth doesn't work. Oh boy. Yeah. So I worked with therapists and designers and architects and doctors and all these kind of mom and pop small businesses. And I moved to a city that is dominated by tech, young startups or big corporations, which meant I really, really didn't have a client base or a potential client base anymore at all. Oh boy. And I tried to network and I tried to go to events and I tried to have people interested in what I do. And I got like polite stares and it was painful because, well, first of all, because nobody likes being misunderstood and dismissed. Right. But my business is to large degrees what I am. So it's more like people don't understand what I do. It felt like people reject who I am, that nobody really needs me, that I'm useless suddenly. Oh, what a terrible feeling. That's painful. That's crushing. Um, My mentor at the time was adamantly opposed to me going online. Because, you know, everybody was, well, you know, you can do it remote. You can do it remotely. You can help people over Skype. And my mentor thought it's a really bad idea and I need to reach a ton of people and it would be really hard for me. And I thought, no, I absolutely have to be in the same physical room with my client because inevitably when you work on somebody's systems, there will be a lot of emotion brought up to the surface. Um, You know, when you help somebody set a budget and they realize that they're not making as much money as they thought, that's a very tough experience. When you do a schedule with a client and they see that if they want to make X, they don't have time for their hobby that's really keeping them alive and sane, that could be a full blown rage and I have to be there and I have to hold the space. So I didn't feel that going online would be necessarily the right decision. And it was a lot of struggle. In fact, uh, what really helped me that I met somebody um, in a fundraising event and he was from Montana. I'm in Boston. Uh, And he basically said, well, I need you but I'm like, I won't fly to Montana. Like, <laughs> would you do it over Skype? I'm like, oh. He said, basically, he said, I'm going to be your guinea pig. If you give me a big discount, we are going to try this out. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, 
you still have a client, half a client. And that's what we did. And it worked. And eventually I took all my business online, which of course comes with its own set of challenges uh, because you need to put words to the page. For someone who is not a writer, never considered herself a writer and doesn't speak English as her native language. That is not an easy task. And this is something that I'm much better at now, but I'm still struggling. It's still very, very hard. Case in point, right before coming on this interview, I frantically wrote to my friend, like, could you please come with me on Zoom for 10 minutes? I have to tell you what I'm writing about because I'm freaking launching a program today and I have five paragraphs that are not written. And thankfully she did. And I, you know, I read to her what I've written and realized that, okay, it's not really good, but it's not as horrible as I thought. It's like something to work with. So in the next two hours, I'm going to be rewriting uh, the last bits of my sales page because it's hard. Like I can't, I can't really do it off the cuff. But that was great that you were able to reach out and ask for support. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know what? Back to what we were talking about to your first question. How do you add more hours in a week? Support and friends and mentors and accountability is a ginormous help. It's really a make or break thing. If you don't have support, if you're isolated, if you don't have people to bounce off ideas, to work with, to be accountable to, to be supported by, you are going to be, well, obviously you're not going to be as happy, but you're also not going to be as productive. That's so true. You know, I think about when I first transitioned online, how how easily I could feel like I was working, but at the same time, once I started holding my own feet to the fire, I would realize, well, you're not actually working. You've just been on Facebook for two hours. Oops. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I don't know if that's your experience too, because you, you've been at it for a while. Uh, entrepreneurship can be really isolating if you don't take good care of surrounding yourself with the right people. That's just it. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it can be really difficult because we do get isolated. Unless you're in a mastermind group or you have friends who are also doing the online thing, sometimes we're just commuting with the computer all day. Yeah, yeah. At first, like, I remember calling my husband and saying, just talk to me. I need to hear a human voice. (laughs) Right. Well, that's great. You know, I love it. These, I love these tips. I love this idea of you saying, you know, figure out how you work best, what time of day you work best, and then set yourself up for success around that. Thank you. Yeah. And I also like this whole idea of putting things on reminders because that way, like you said, you free up brain space. You don't have to hold it in there. You can put other more important information up there. It's true, and also, the world around us is very good at inducing anxiety, 
right? The information overload, the, especially the entrepreneurs who don't know where necessarily their next sale will come from. Really, we have so many sources for worry and uncertainty and the right. sense of lack of control. The last thing we need is to add more worry about whether we're going to make this appointment, whether we're forgetting something, whether we're making a mistake or not showing up or reminders save us not just the mental energy, but a lot of emotional energy too. And we need that because the, as you know, as you said, self-doubt and this feeling of overwhelm and paralysis are pervasive. Right. And we need to do everything to keep ourselves emotionally fit. And reminders do a great job in that. It's really great help. That's so true. I'm always relieved when I see something come across my phone because I'm like, oh, wow, I would have forgotten that. Thanks for that reminder. Yep. Yep. Yep, exactly. Marina, it's been really nice talking to you today and hearing about some of the, the ways that you have found out how to create success for not only your business, but for other people's businesses. If people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Oh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm really, you know, having a great time here. Um, to find me, you can come to my website. It's vision-framework.com or vision-framework.com. Um, it's easy to remember because I built frameworks for visionaries. Um, come visit my blog, listen to my podcast. It's called Systems Meet Humanity. So you can try systemsmeethumanity.com. Um, come disagree with me. Tell me what you think. Um, there is a free course there that will pop up at you if you struggle with what system you need to tackle first. You know, everybody's saying you need to be more systematic, which is great. Where do you start? Where do you need to be more systematic? So there is a free class there that would walk you through the decision-making process and then point you to, you know, let's say you decided you need to start being more systematic about your money. It would point you to the right tools and the right direction, how exactly you're going to do that. So yeah, vision-framework.com. Come, I'll be super happy to see you. Love when people come and visit. Great. And that's, that's where they can find this quiz to help them? Yeah. Yeah. It's a course. It's ah. a email course. Yeah. I'm not into quizzes yet. I might need to look into that. Okay. Super. Well, I would imagine that they can get some pretty valuable information from that. Hopefully. All right. Thank you so much, Marina. I look forward to seeing you around. Thank you so much, Dream. It's been a pleasure.